Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here, you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in. So we're in a series. Uh, the series is called A Journey to Easter, and we're looking at the, the weeks leading up to, to, to the, well, the weeks, not the weeks, like the days leading up to the, the death on the cross and the resurrection. And uh, I'm, like I was saying to David, I'm really excited to share. Like, I, I get the opportunity to, to look at a passage of Scripture, to, to really let it sit with me for, normally he asks me a few weeks ahead of time, so I spend those weeks kind of praying over it, looking at it, and trying to bring something that hopefully will be uh, constructive to your faith, good for your soul, and uh, maybe life-changing, and that's my hope. Um, either way, if it's not that, at least hopefully I'm trying not to, to keep put you guys asleep. But if you need sleep, that's that's fine too. I'll I'll do, I'll do my best to to be as as uh, as uh, as interesting as possible. Um, I've been at Westside now for 11 years. I've done so many of these vision and budget meetings that I've been at, and I've even helped put some of them together. And uh, if you can stay, like David said. Uh, please do. It is worth knowing what, what we're all about. You get a better idea of, of why, you know, when you want to know what someone, what's, up, what's important to someone, see how they, they spend their money. And it, it kind of shows really the, what's, what's really important, what the priorities are. So it's, uh, it is worth um, sticking around if you can. Um, so my passage that I'm looking at is, is the Last Supper. Um, it's, a, it's a passage that uh, we're very familiar with. Um, last even the word Last Supper is used for, you know, inmates on death row or uh, people who, who are about to leave to go to move somewhere else. Often they'll have a last meal and with their friends before they, they travel to wherever they're moving to. Um, there's something about endings, about the last of something that kind of brings clarity. Um, we have this uh, picture um, that, I, that uh, yeah, John put by really quickly there. Yeah, so this is a, a picture that many of you have probably seen versions of. I've seen a version on the internet with like dogs instead of people. I, that's not, that, ver- that other version is not historically accurate. Neither is this one, actually. It's, but this is what uh, the people who, who made it, did it in the medieval or Renaissance time imagined it, what it looked like. Um, but this is a moment where Jesus brings his disciples together and spends a, a final meal before the, 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 the events of the, the cross and, and, and then the death and resurrection. Um, and I love how, like, like I was saying, how endings bring clarity, how endings allow us to see, uh, maybe make a, a, a summary of, of how life was lived, of how, um, how things worked out. I'm, a, I'm also an elementary school teacher. So for me, the end of the year is coming. There's only March, April, May, June. Three, for, for those who are... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's coming. But I'm also a grade six teacher, so I'm also the, the teacher that ends elementary school with the students. So often we, 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 we kind of make the, the we, we close off half their lives, because they're 12 years old, so that we close off half their lives in grade, grade six. They've done half their life at school, and they're finishing up. And often to have them leave with a feeling of success, of accomplishment, is something that's important. Because that's true, endings bring clarity. This time that you spent, that you invested, was worth it. Um, and uh, while I was preparing this, I looked at other endings, uh, people who, uh, I, I kind of went down an internet rabbit hole of like famous last words. Have you ever done that before? Um, one of the first ones I found was, was Winston Churchill. And he said, before dying, apparently, it's, I, I, don't, I didn't like do tons of research. I don't know if this is 100% historically accurate, but, but I, thought, I thought this one was, was interesting. Winston Churchill, uh, English premier who was uh, instrumental in come back, come 
combating Nazi Germany. When he finally passed away, uh, he said, I'm bored with it all. And I kind of get that. Like he, he had a very exciting life for that long period of time, and I guess after, uh, years after, you know, maybe things weren't as quite as meaningful. Uh, the next one I put up, P.T. Barnum, uh, who was a, a circus performer and uh, organizer, entrepreneur, uh, also handsomely played by Hugh Jackman. I thought uh, this was for you, Steph. Where are you? Oh, she's not. She's gone. Oh, I, got, I include 100% more Hugh Jackman than, I norm, than David normally would. And, uh, and I don't, she doesn't get to see it. She always gets really happy. That, that's actually the reason I'm wearing a tie, just to, to like, like not make, uh, make uh, her get any ideas here. I need to be as handsome as I possibly can be in this moment. Uh, it is reported that his last words, and I love this, were, uh, and he's talking to, to his wife. He says, Nancy, I want you to know my last thoughts are of you. Isn't that, isn't that special? I just thought that was a beautiful feeling of like, we're going we're gonna to spend, like I have these last moments, let's, let's mention this. Um, my, my personal favorite is the next one I found. This is General John Sedwick at the site of enemy snipers during the American Civil War. His last words were, they couldn't hit an elephant at this distance. I'll let you infer how he died. Um, it was probably a bit violent and sudden. Um, yeah, that one, was for, that one was for my son. I think he'd like that one there. Um, yeah. Um, so we're going to look at the Last Supper, and we're going to look at it as, you know, what, what was meaningful to Jesus as he finished off his his ministry uh, on earth, um, as, his, as he was going to the cross. He was, at, he was, he, he was having this last supper. Um, and, and the questions I'm going to ask are, are four. Um, the first one is, who's at the table with him? Um, who are these people that he has, around, that he has surrounding him? Who are these people that he's, he's, he's sitting down with and, 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 and uh, celebrating this time with? And, and secondly, how are they celebrating Passover? So maybe you're not really familiar what Passover is, but they're celebrating it, and they're celebrating it in a new and unusual way. How are they doing that? Um, and finally, like third, like how, what message does he want to leave them? Like looking at the text, what is so important that he needs to, to share with his disciples in this moment, his apostles? And finally, uh, uh, let's, let us take away with, well, what, why does this matter to us now? Why do we, like, wh- how does our life get changed by this? So that is... That is the plan. I, I feel like I need to take a breath for a moment. So let, let me just pray and, and maybe invite the Holy Spirit to come in this moment and speak to us. Mm. Lord, as we open Scripture together, as we look at this moment, Lord, help us to, to put aside any um, distractions or concerns or worries for the, for the rest of this day or that might be lingering throughout this week. Help us really just listen to you and hear from you. Lord, capture our imagination so that we can imagine ourselves at that table with these disciples in this moment. Lord, um, give me words to, to share, Lord, what you've placed on my heart. And um, Lord, uh, make us attentive to, to, to what you want us to, to become Lord, through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, let's start with question one. Who's at the table? Um, Kelly touched a little bit on this last week. Uh, there was one at the table that we, we, we mentioned significantly. There's, there's, there, there, there's a group of people, uh, 12 of them, um, men, 
some say that might be Jesus' like, biggest miracle, to have like 12 good friends in his middle age. Um, as, as a man, to have, <laughs> have that <laughs> a little bit older than he, he, he was at the time, to have that many close friends at one time, at one table, is already a huge accomplishment. Have you tried scheduling something recently? It's not, not, not quite easy, not the easiest thing. But, um, no, so who's at the table? There's, there's, there's uh, some very close friends that he's been walking with for, for three years. Um, there's one of them who's, who's planning to betray him, who has already betrayed him, and who's sitting at the table with him. There, and we know from what we heard last week that these, are, these people love him, they want to spend time with him, but they're also very much human. They're very unreliable, and as the story goes, they will all run away and flee uh, shortly there after this meal. Um, and Jesus knows this. He says to them that they're not going to be able to, to, to stick it out. But he's there with them anyway. Let's read Luke 22, verses 14 and 16. Now, how it's going to work is I'm going to show a passage, we're going to look at it, and then I, I will move the story along as, as we do, see the different passages. So Luke 22, 14 to 16. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Just let that sit there for a second. His words, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Not... I'm feeling obligated to spend time with you guys. Or this is, this is, my, this is the end of my project, so let's, let's, let's get it done with. Not, oh, I feel like it's a duty to be there. No, there's an eager desire to be with them. Before suffering, Jesus eagerly seeks time with his friends. We, we understand this, I think. But I think this is something that naturally as humans, um, when we're about to do something hard, when some suffering is about to come, when difficulty is about to come, there's something about not being alone in that. Um, intuitively, when we're about to do hard things, not being alone in it, not being alone bef before it and around that time is something that we, we, we humans, even non-believers do. Um, I was at a, a sports center the other day, and you see a group of like people running around in circles together as a group. Um, running is stupid hard. Like it hurts your legs and your knees, and you, you feel like you're going to die after a very short period of time. Um, and but I understand why people find uh, a jolt, like a fine strength in doing it together. It's there's something there's something naturally human of like, hey, this is going to be really hard but we're going to do it as a group. Um, who here, if they had to do renovations in their house, would like to have someone at their house with them, even if they're not going to do much of the work, just to have someone to be around? Yeah? See, I, I get nothing done at my house because I don't know how to do anything. Uh, if it, so I, I've, I've seen who raised their hands. I'm going to, I'm going to call it, no. Uh, uh, but uh, what actually I, I'm saying is, is it's true. Like you, you, there's this desire to be with people when you're about to do something hard. Um, even the big transitions in life, like, like funerals, um, like uh, moments where um, you need to do a ton of work and, you don't, and you're feeling overwhelmed, 
I, we've invested a lot of money so that in our, my, our kids having, actually that's not true, my, my grandparents, my parents have invested a lot of money in, 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 uh, in my kids having desks to do homework in their rooms. My kids never do homework in their rooms. <laughs> they, 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 even if I don't need any help, they have to be at the table because they're doing something hard and they want to do it in community. They don't want to do it alone. So Jesus in this moment where he's about to go through the hardest thing anyone has ever gone through in the history of the world, surrounds himself with imperfect people, people he knows he's going to be betrayed by, people he knows are going to to, to not be reliable to him. And despite that, he eagerly desires to spend time with them around the table. I find that deeply hopeful for us because we are not reliable and we are not perfect. And God invites us to be a family so that together we can do hard things. And um, what does it say about us that to get physically fit or to do um, things that are difficult in our regular worldly lives, we, we, we seek community and we seek help, but so many of us try to take care of our souls and our spiritual lives all alone. For when it comes to growing in faith, when it comes to growing in our knowledge of Jesus, we tend to to do it all by ourselves and not realize how important it is to have other people at the table. And these people, Jesus didn't like randomly pick them off the street the day before. He invested years of time developing these relationships, walking with them, And he didn't, like, flush a few of them out along the way. Oh, this guy, Peter, man, he just talks all the time. Let's just get rid of him and replace him with another disciple. No, no. He commits and and stays with these people despite their their flaws, despite the difficulty it is to be with them sometimes. I think we can learn from that as as Jesus eagerly brings them around the table. So he takes this committed group, And then he celebrates something called Passover with them. How are they celebrating Passover? Well, Passover for one, and this is a picture that that I found in a, like the top you can see in children's books uh, describing it. Passover is is a Jewish celebration that reminds the people of Israel what it was like to be slaves in Egypt and how Jesus got them, how God got them out of it. Um, there's a, the story goes that uh, there was a, a plague coming that was going to wipe out uh, the firstborn of every household and the people of Israel were to take a lamb and they were supposed to, 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 to prepare it to be eaten, but take the blood of this lamb and, and put it on their, their doors. And when the angel of death would pass through, the, through Egypt, they would be protected, they'd be saved. And this was, the, this was the, the, the moment that Pharaoh eventually broke and finally allowed the Israelites to leave. This was the moment, this is the last one that brought freedom. The death of the lamb brought freedom. And every year from that point on, Israelites would, and later the Jewish people, would remember the freedom brought by the death of the lamb. And they would have bread that wasn't raised, uh, like unleavened bread, that they had to prepare. They didn't have time for the bread to rise. It was just ready. It had to go. Uh, they had to go because the minute that, that, that it was time to be, to be free, the minute that the time, it was time for the Israelites to leave, they had to go in a hurry. But if there was people at the time who couldn't, have um, 
a lamb because they were too poor, they would share with neighbors and they'd have this moment where as, as well, among neighbors, among, among, among friends, they would share of the lamb and eat together and be reminded of the freedom that came through God's deliverance. So, so while they're around this table, at the this very same evening that Jesus is going to be betrayed and eventually end up on a cross, they're remembering this lamb being sacrificed. The foreshadowing is amazing. God's timing is awesome. So let's read it. What does it say? Luke 22. I think this is um, verse, verse 17. I think I got the numbers wrong. No, seven, seven, eight, yeah. So then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. There's, a, I think, a double meaning there. And Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. So Peter and John go out. They find a man that, that, uh, that Jesus sent them to. They prepare a place to ha- eat Passover together. And then at that moment, they're sitting, they're reclining around the table, and Jesus says this. He says, after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. Like they would divide the lamb back in the day. Take this cup and divide it among you, for I tell you I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then he took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So we, 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 talk, we read passages like this one every month, but I, I, just, I love that we can take a minute to just look at and think of this. The Passover lamb that they had just eaten, part of the meal, at that moment, Jesus starts a new covenant, a new promise, a new ritual starts at that moment. A new sacrament is the word we use in the church. Jesus is the, is the new Passover lamb. And as the new Passover lamb, Jesus invites his disciples into a new covenant. It's a new start. Trying to place myself at that table in the shoes of the disciples, I can't imagine like, what I'm thinking at that moment. Like, in the disciples' mind, even though Jesus is saying that oh, he's going to die and he's going to come back and he's telling all these things, a lot of the disciples didn't get it. And you can see it from their reactions later on when they all run away. Um, they don't understand what's happening. But they remember this moment and they must have thought, this is really strange what Jesus is doing at this moment. Why is he referring to the, this, this new covenant, this new promise? But after all is said and done, and I was, I was imagining this during, during worship earlier, like, could you imagine after the death and resurrection and the coming of the Holy Spirit, the, 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 the new disciples and the apostles coming together again with that bread and that, and that wine and doing it over again in such a meaningful way. And they do it every time they get together. They, they break bread and they, 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 they drink the wine. And how meaningful that must have been to being like, we have just gone through the most emotional, the most life-transforming moment of our lives. And wow, Jesus started a new covenant, a new family through this. This is, and this is what we do, and why we, we, do, we, we, do, we do this every month, is this is the start of the new family. This is the start of the, the new believer, followers of Jesus, those who identify and take part 
in the, the, the bread and in the wine. It's, it's like our Christian version of the Declaration of Independence that was signed in the States, or our Constitution, or our, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's the moment where um, the church becomes, for the first time, something bound together by more than just words. And it's a sacrament that we continue to do and have been doing for thousands of years. It's, it cements our belonging to Jesus, reminds us of who we are. And it's interesting, as, as that's happening, as, as the, the family's been, these believers have been brought together, they've been bound together by the sacrifice of Jesus, Jesus also teaches them in that moment. It says, what, me- what message does he want to leave them? At that moment, there's a dispute that arises among them. This is a, in verse 24. And I thought this was really interesting because it shows that even though they're talking and sharing bread, they're, they're, these disciples are still the same. They're still arguing over silly things. And this is one of the ones that they, they argue about. In verse 24, it says, a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. I think that's such an interesting conversation. Like, hey, who's, who's I'm, I think I'm better than all of you guys. No, I think this guy's the best. No, like, what, what, what is this conversation? <laughs> I mean, I think my kids could do that. Yeah, actually, let's come to think of it, yeah. But um, maybe my students as well. But, uh, but, but, Jesus, but you know, who, who's the greatest? Who's the best here? And Jesus says to them in this moment, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, as in the kings of the Gentiles boss people around. And those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors by being authoritative. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater? The one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. King of the universe, among us as the one who serves. You, and he's talking about, again, this family that's put together, you are those who stood by me in my trials. In this difficult moment before my suffering, you're the ones who are standing by me, and I confer onto you a kingdom. Just as my father conferred one to, on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So he brings these people together. He binds them together through a new covenant, and he gives them a kingdom where they're going to eat and drink together and be a family. What kind of family? I I, I would have done this way. It's a family connected by sacrifice, built for service, and destined for community. It wouldn't be great if we were all part of that at all times. I feel like we, we often forget like, what God has called us to be. It's the same passage, and if you look at like, the, the, the passage of the Last Supper is in, in, in all of the books, uh, all the, the, all the, 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 well, uh, the, the, what is the word for that in, in, in English? The, uh, the Gospels. Was like, Evangile was going through my head. I'm like, oh, come on, don't fail me now, English brain. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, don't talk to myself like that all the time. But yeah, but it's in all the it's in all the it's in all the gospels, and in in the Gospel of John, there's another story that's linked to this one in which Jesus strips down out of his clothes and washes his disciples' feet. 
to show what service is about. This revolutionary moment is where I think the disciples look back to when it comes to saying, well, how should, how should Christians live? What are Christians about? Well, they're a family built together to eat together, to drink together, to be community together for the purpose of living sacrificial lives that will serve others and not themselves. What does this matter to us now? Question four. Well, it depends where you're at in your faith, as I think. I think some of you might be brand new to this idea of, of coming to the table, of being part of this family. Um, for some of us, um, the, the challenge is going to be, well, okay, I'm not part of this. I'm not connected to this yet. I need to know what it's like to be part of a family like this. And if you're at Westside this morning, I want you to know that this is kind of what we do. Um, we try to make people belong. We like having people connect. Um, Daria mentioned small groups earlier. That's something that we're trying to do just to get you at the table, to help you realize that you can belong here, even if you don't believe everything yet. You can be part of it. You can be, you can be and, and, you're, and you're just as welcome as anyone who's been here a long time. Um, Jesus invites people to the table. Um, why? Because it's really hard to face hard things alone. Um, the, the, the Christian life is, is, is designed to be one lived in community. And we're, you're called to be part of a community. Maybe you're a little bit later in the story. Maybe you need to, 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 to realize that you need to take, maybe God's speaking to you that it's time for you to take the bread and the wine and to take it seriously. Not just to be part of the community as in welcomed in at the table like those disciples were, but maybe it's time to, to, to connect in that deeper way of like, hey, I'm going to eat this now. I'm going to drink this now. And now I am part of this new family in a way that I'm committed to, this, to the example of Jesus. I'm taking that sacrament. And there's another sacrament called baptism that Jesus also discusses about like dying to your old self and bringing in the new. And that's the next step. Um, and then when those things are in place, there's that third thing that the disciples didn't quite get yet as they are arguing about who's going to be the greatest. Maybe it's time for you to become one who serves. And depending on who you are, that, that looks differently. Um, it's serving other people in the church, but it's also serving your neighbors, serving your community. Um, recent, like a, a few years ago, God called me to, um, to, to, to serve on, on the board of our, our denomination here. Um, and it was a big thing because I didn't really know or have too much training to be like the leader of a, of a denomination of churches. But um, what God was calling me to do was to just serve. Like, God, how can you use me to help out these churches? And, and one thing that we're doing this week, and that's why um, Daria mentioned it over, we're, we're actually inviting people from other churches uh, and you here at Westside to come next Saturday to pray. Why? Well, because it's a one way to serve others is to pray for them. Um, so, so, so next Sunday, next Saturday, I mean, not Sunday, next Saturday in the morning, I've, I've invited people. I don't know who's going to come. I don't know if there's going to be like 10 people or, or 50 people or I don't know, really God's going to call and bring people here. But I would love to have people come to be prayed for and heard and encouraged. Um, and I think that we have such encouraging Sunday mornings, that it would be great to share that with people who don't, might, whose churches might be a lot smaller than ours, might be struggling in different ways, and just kind of just pray for them and encourage them. We have a, a guest coming from over, overseas, uh, uh, from overseas, from Ontario as well, to come to help with worship. Over, <laughs> Ontario is not overseas. 
as much as it feels like it. I don't know what, what Freudian slip that was. Oh my goodness. <laughs> On traverse la frontière, it's too different. Um, yeah. Um, but, but that's what it looks like for me. But, you know, but it can look for, like, but God can, but it's not always only just a church thing. God could call you to be volunteering in your neighborhood. God can call you to, to just be involved with your kid's school. God could call you to, to like, visit your neighbor. But there's a, an element of service, and service not for the sake of, this is going to make me feel good, but service as in, I'm, I'm called to be that kind of Christian. Um, in the Gospel of John, Jesus and, and, and really, if you want to read something really neat this week, Jesus speaks to his disciples and he shares with them. And as he shares with them, he prays for them, but he also gives an even clearer image of what he calls us to be. And this is how I'm going to finish today. I'm going to read John 15, uh, a section, a few verses there. And, um, and I, as I read it, maybe if, if you guys could just start playing a little bit in the background. And, and that, that would just, and just, just listen to Jesus speaking this to you specifically. Because I feel like this is a good reminder of what happened at that table and what message he really wants us to stick to, 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 to live with. And it's this. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything I learned from my Father, everything that Jesus learned from, from God, I have made known to you. You did not cho choose me but I chose you and appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit. Fruit that, you will, that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com forward slash giving. Until next time, peace.